Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. I want to invite you all to turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 3 as we continue through this 13-week study. And this morning, we are going to talk about what it looks like when we, as followers of Christ, work together. And sometimes there's this tendency when we look at what God is doing around the world, and we we sometimes come at it from these two different extreme viewpoints. So one, the first being that God desperately needs me to get involved so that Uh, the things that he wants to see done are able to be accomplished so that something can get done. So I I have to be involved in some way. And the second is that God's going to be able to accomplish whatever it is that he wants to do regardless of my involvement. So really, I don't need to get involved at all. (laughs) And and so these two kind of extreme viewpoints are, are both wrong. And what we kind of see is the whole spectrum of these viewpoints um, lived out in Nehemiah chapter 3. So we, we might, before we, we get to Nehemiah chapter 3, let, let's just think about the, those ideas, those thought processes for just a minute. And we'll say, well, well surely that doesn't exist in, in church today, right? That, maybe, maybe that's not, not something that happens at Wood Street Chapel. And, and so I asked Dave and Wendy to, to bring me a, a Jenga game this morning to, to help me illustrate. So the, the way that we would look at this is say, well, okay, so it sounds like there's, there's a need for, for a specific person to be involved in, I don't know, maybe playing an instrument on stage. And maybe I know how to play an instrument on stage, but, but you don't need me for that. Surely there's somebody else that could, could do that. And so they're just make, making a choice not to, to participate in that. Okay. And so maybe the, the next person is saying, you know, man, I, I really feel like there's this call to to get involved in children's ministry, to, to help out with kids, to, to share the love of God with, with these kids. But I, just, I don't really want to take the time. I have to wake up like a whole extra hour early. It's just not really anything that, that I'm super interested in. By the way, you don't have to wake up an hour early if you want to do children's care, just, just saying. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. The, the kingdom of God still stands. The Wood Street Chapel is still functioning nothing major happened just because you said no to, to doing childcare or children's ministry even. And, and then the next conversation happens where, where maybe somebody else is feeling called to, to get involved in, in outreach to, to help with the food ministry or to help with the food pantry in, in some way. And, and that's a call that exists. And I just got other stuff I got to do. This, this isn't something that I can take the time for. And, and so we, we make that choice to, to not necessarily get involved there. And, and so we, we kinda, you kind of see where this is going. We have these, these different 
people that, that are, are, are just saying, well, I, I just can't take the time. I can't be bothered to do that until eventually we get to this point where somebody just says, oh, wow, that was pretty amazing that we made it that far. Uh, <laughs> we get to that point where, where finally somebody says, you know, no, I can't do this. I'm, I'm not able to do this. I don't have the time to do this. There we go. I finally made it fall. That's like the farthest I've ever gotten in pulling cart blocks from one side. Um, and everything does come crashing down. See, it has nothing to do with, with a single person, but if everyone in the church at the same time says, no, I just don't really feel like doing this, it's not going to get done. It just won't. And, and it's not a matter of, okay, so maybe it's a matter of a single ministry where if no one in the church wants to do this ministry over here, wants to do this opportunity that, that has been put forward and everybody says, no, we're not going to do that, then we just don't do it and we'll, we'll find something else to do instead. And so what we see here, in, if we look at Nehemiah chapter 3, is Nehemiah has this burden to see the people of God restored, right? We're talking about Nehemiah in God's, where we have God's people in God's presence in God's place. And so Nehemiah has this burden to see the people of God restored to God's place. And God gives the opportunity, if we imagine the Jenga Tower, God gives the opportunity and says, hey, it's here, and you get to choose whether or not you are going to be involved. Nehemiah could have said no, but he, he chose to be involved. Last week, we saw Nehemiah go out and survey the land and, and the work that actually needed to be done, and then he presents his idea to the people, and the people sign up to get the job done. The people could have said, hmm, no. And, and we could have pulled a couple of blocks out, and it probably would have been fine, but if all of the people said, mm, I'm not really feeling it, then the tower would have fallen, and literally the walls would not have been built. So today we're going to talk about the work that has to get done. So if, if any of you have been reading ahead, if any of you have, have read chapter 3 before, you might think, wow, this probably deserved a spot on the road less traveled. Because Nehemiah chapter 3 is one of those spots in the Bible where we see just a long list of a whole bunch of really hard to pronounce names, and the temptation would be to simply glance over the list and then move on. As a pastor, sometimes when you see these chapters, it's like, man, maybe we could just combine this in with another one. <laughs> Is there really a full Sunday's worth of something to get out of Nehemiah chapter 3? But remember, what is the truth that we learned in The Road Less Travel? There is no wasted space in the Bible. God does not waste pages. God does not waste his words on things that aren't relevant, that aren't important to my life. So maybe what I need to do, and, and this is our challenge this morning, is to stop trying to make this chapter relevant to my own life and rather ask, why is this passage in Scripture relevant to God? And if we can think and consider, why is this relevant to God? What, what is it that makes this important to God? Then 
at that point, I need to say, okay, well, how do I then make this important to my life? Because obviously it's supposed to be. So we're going to read Nehemiah chapter 3. And there's going to be some specific points in Nehemiah chapter 3. And we can be kind of like that, that Pentecostal church for just a minute, where when you get to one of those points where you think, mm, this, seems, this seems relevant, this seems important, you can say amen, or, or you know, just like some vocal affirmation that, yes, this, this part has some resonance in it. I'm going to guess it's probably not when we're talking about like Hananel the Koite or whatever. But um, there's some other stuff that you're going to see here that, that has some relevance. So starting at Nehemiah chapter 3, it says, Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and they set its doors in place building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, the son of Emery, built, ne- built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hasanah, and they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz repaired the next section and next to him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshizabel, made repairs, and next to him, Zadok, son of Bana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to work under their supervisors. Remember that one. We're going to come back to that in a second. The Jeshana gate was repaired by Joida, son of Pasea, and Meshulam, son of Basodie. <laughs> they laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon and Mitzpah. Malatiah of Gibeon and Jadon, son of Maranoth, places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Harhiah, one of the goldsmiths repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Raphiah, son of Hur, ruler of half a district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jediah, son of Harumaf, made repairs opposite his house, and Hattush, son of Hashabani, made repairs next to him. Malkijah, son of Haram, and Hasib, son of Pahath Moab, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of half a district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. The valley gate was repaired by Hanan and the residents of Zenoah. They rebuilt it and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. They also repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Everybody laugh for a minute. The Dungate was repaired by <laughs> Makijah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakarim. He rebuilt it and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. The Fountain Gate was rebuilt and repaired by Shalom, Shalom, son of Kolhoza, ruler of the district of Mitzpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over and putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. He also repaired the wall of the Pool of Siloam by the king's garden, as far as the steps going down from the city of David. Beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, this isn't the same Nehemiah that we were talking about, by the way, it's a different one, ruler of half a district of Bethzur, made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and the house of the heroes. Next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites under Rehum, son of Bani. Beside him, 
Hashabiah, ruler of half the district of Kila, married out or carried out repairs for his district. Next to him, the repairs were made by their fellow Levites under Benui, son of Henadad, ruler of the other half of the district of Kila. Next to him, Ezer, son of Jeshua, ruler of Mitzvah, repaired another section from a point facing the ascent to the armory as far as the angle of the wall. Next to him, Baruch, son of Zabai, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Next to him, Merimoth, son of Uriah, son of Hekaz, repaired another section from the entrance of Eliashib's house to the end of it. The repairs next to him were made by the priests from the surrounding region. Beyond them, Benjamin and Hashab made repairs in front of their house, and next to him, Azariah, son of Messiah, the son of Anani, made repairs beside his house, and next to him, Benui, son of Hinnadad, repaired another section from Azariah's house to the angle and the corner. And Palal, son of Uzziah, worked opposite the angle and the tower projecting from the upper palace near the court of the guard. Next to him, Padiah, son of Parosh, and the temple servants living on the hill of Awful made repairs up to a point opposite the water gate toward the east and the projecting tower. Next to them, the men of Tekoa repaired another section from the great projecting tower to the wall of Awful. Almost done. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of their own house. And next to them, Zadok, son of Immer, made repairs opposite his house. Next to them, Shemaiah, the son of Shekaniah, the guard at the east gate, made repairs. Next to him, Hanani, son of Shalemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section. Next to them, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, made repairs opposite his living quarters. Next to him, Malkijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants, and opposite the inspection gate as far as the room above the corner. And between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and merchants made repairs. Whew! So, the first thing that we can take away from this is that if you are ever asked to read a passage of Scripture from the Bible, read it fast enough and no one will know that you didn't pronounce the name right. Um, <laughs> So, what in this passage of Scripture is relevant to the heart of God? That's the question, right? At the end of the day, that is the question. What in in this passage of Scripture, in this list of names, is relevant to the heart of God? And as such, what deserves to be relevant to me? So let's, t- let's take a look at what was prioritized here. What was the first thing that was done? And thankfully, this is easy. We can just go back to the beginning of the chapter. If we look at the, the first thing that was done, the high priests make the decision to prioritize the sheep gate. Now this is, just go with me on this. What do you think came through the sheep gate? Good, okay, Sheep, yes. (laughs) Well done. So sheep are an important part of the people of Israel. There's an important aspect of sheep as it relates to the people of Israel. Sheep are important to the sacrificial system that that takes place, right? There's other things that are sacrificed, but ultimately sheep are a big part. And the prioritization of the sheep gate as being the first thing in this, 
this whole long list of, of areas that needs to be built isn't on accident. What we see here is the high priest saying, hey, we have, we've been away for a long time. Our lack of attention to the law and the direction and the word of God is what got us into this mess in the first place. And so rather than prioritize outward security, rather than prioritize making sure that, that we aren't attacked by bandits, that we aren't attacked by, by whatever else may be out there, that, that's secondary to making sure that our hearts are right with God, that we are, have the ability to come in and ask for forgiveness, which is what the sacrificing of sheep was. The whole reason we are in this mess to begin with is because we chose to disregard what it was that God called us to do. That can't happen anymore. And coolest thing, when, when Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, do you know what gate he came through? It's believed he came through the sheep gate. Man, that, that's a really big coincidence. No. The the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world came through the same gate that the, the sheep that were, were brought to sacrifice mentioning. And so the first thing that we can take away from Nehemiah chapter 3 is that God used people to rebuild regardless of their occupation, regardless of their status, and even regardless of their gender. So let's come back to our tower for just a minute. None of those things get to be reasons why we choose to pull our block out. They don't get to be because God uses all of those people. The people of God were the people of God. That, that was enough, even though there were plenty of characteristics within the people of God that were different. There were people that looked different. There were people that were different heights. There were people that were different weights. There were people that had different jobs. There were people that were different colors of skin. They were all still considered the people of God. That people of God was brought together with one common denominator as the people of God, that they were to be on mission. And their mission was to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. We have a mission that we have been called to. Our mission is a little bit different than building a wall. Our mission has been, is that we're called to make disciples of all nations, that we're to spread the word of God. That is the call that we have been, been uh, entrusted with. And guess what? I can still make the choice to pull out my block and say, hmm, not really into it. Not something I'm going to participate in today. I'm, I would rather just show up and sing for an hour and go home. That's your choice. And that was the choice of the people that we see here today. Goldsmiths and perfumers came together and started building the wall. I'm pretty sure the people that make perfume, like when you go to perfume school, it's not like, okay, now we're going to go to the contractor portion of, of your education. They, they didn't have that background. And yet they showed up and said, hey, this is important enough for Nehemiah to come back from Babylon and say, hey, this is what God has called us to do. 
I am willing, regardless of what my background is, regardless of what my experiences are, to participate in what it is that God has called me to do. And so if that means putting bricks together and building a wall that I have no idea how to do, then sign me up. If that is the most important thing, if that is what God is asking of me, then I, who am I to say no? Rulers of both halves of Jerusalem were involved in building the wall. Have you ever had a boss that just like tells you what to do and is sitting in a chair somewhere and you never actually see them doing anything? How much harder is it to follow that boss than it is to follow the boss that says, hey, we need to do this, and I'm going to come right beside you, and I'm going to do this every step of the way. I am with you. Leading from the front, right? We, we hear that often. A dad working with his daughters. I love that part. We have the, this dad who, you know, they didn't mention the wife, so I, we don't know anything about that. But we, we have this father who, again, is saying, this, this is what we're called to do. We have to do it. And these daughters are saying, well, I'm not, I'm not disqualified from participating in the call of God on, on his people just because I'm a woman. And they step out and, and they, they participate and they are remembered how many years later we're still talking about them. God gives gifts to each person. Each person in this church, man, woman, young and old, and we come together and when we come together, God's mission is accomplished. That's, that's the successful operation of the body of Christ. What else do we see? We see that some people refused to work because they thought that certain tasks were beneath them. It says it. That there is this group of people that said, mm, that's, that's way too much work. You guys take care of it. We, we've put our time in already. I, we just don't have the energy to deal with this. This isn't something that we want to deal with. We want security, but we don't really want to put the effort in. Okay, hard truth. That absolutely exists in the church today. <laughs> we want to show up. We want to receive from what, what is happening. Not really super interested in putting any effort out into to giving back, into participating in what it is that God's called us to do. Does that mean that it, there, there's something wrong with, with receiving from the church? Absolutely not. But there, there's a season of receiving, and then there's a season of giving. And, and there's an expectation of both of those things. One of the cool things to notice in verse 27 is that, that even without these nobles, the men of Tekoa, so the men of Tekoa are the ones who, they got up and did the work, but their nobles, their, their leaders were like, yeah, we're not doing this. The men of Tekoa showed up and they said, hey, we'll still do it. We'll get involved. And so they show up. They finish their section. And in verse 27, they show up and say, hey, is there more that we can do? 
And in verse 27, they're given another section and additional opportunities to serve. I mean, let's remember the parable that Jesus says where, where he takes the talent away from the, the one who's not doing anything with it and he gives it to the one who is actually putting in the time and the effort and the energy to grow that talent. And, and at first we look at that and say, man, that doesn't seem very Jesus-y, right? That, that doesn't seem like a very fair thing to, to be doing. We, we like our Jesus to be fair. We, we kind of, it makes us feel good. But, but that's... That's not how it works. Those that have been faithful with little will be trusted with much. And that's what we see here. Another really cool thing that we see is we, we look at this section, you'll see over and over and over again that it, there's talk about these, these people are rebuilding the section of the wall that's in front of their house. That productivity is linked to the proximity of where each family lives. What, what can we take away from that? There has to be something that, that we can take from that. So often we feel like we have to go somewhere else to accomplish God's call in our life. That, that we need to go out into some you know, far distant jungle in order to be used by God. And let me be clear, if you feel the, the call of God to the mission field that's outside of, of this space, I'm the last person that's going to get in your way. That's not what this is about. But what I'm saying is that you can be used right where you're at. Sometimes we have to, let's borrow the phrase, grow where we're planted. God has placed you strategically to reach your family, to reach your coworkers, to reach your neighbors and, and many others that you don't even know about yet. Sometimes you, you hear these prayers of God, please send someone to share your love with my neighbor or with my coworker. And God's looking down like, really? What are what are you talking about? You're, you're right there. <laughs> the plan that was put together utilized many people doing specific tasks to accomplish something greater together. There is no way that Nehemiah could have come from Babylon, shown up with nobody else on the ground, and just said, okay, let's build the wall. And he just starts pulling out bricks, putting them one on top of the other, and says, okay, there's one gate down, and moves on to the next. There, there is no way that he could have done it. Most of the workers that, that Nehemiah was using during this time, most of the names that we were talking about here, they had been in Jerusalem all along. Sure, there was a group that came with Nehemiah, a small group, but he didn't bring like a full caravan with him. There, there were a lot of people that were already present. Many of these workers had been present in the city their entire lives, but they never tried to rebuild the walls. 
Never once did did they try to reconstruct the walls because there was no one to mobilize them. But when the people of God came together with the leadership of Nehemiah, they were able to rebuild the walls and do it in 52 days. The opportunity had been there all along. They were lacking mobilization. If all of the people of Israel that were, they were in Jerusalem, all of the people of God that were in Jerusalem at that time came together without Nehemiah and said, hey, we need to rebuild this wall. There is a, a calling on us to rebuild this wall. They could have gotten it done. But there, there had to be someone that, that brought them together, that mobilized them, that said, hey, this is a, a vision that God has given me. This is a direction that God has given me, and we're going to go do it. So what's our response? How do, we, how do we respond to what it is that we see in Nehemiah, part, Nehemiah chapter 3? I mean, it's so easy to look at this book, to look at, at any passage in the Bible and say, well, that was great for the people of God however many hundreds, thousands years ago. I don't have any walls I need to build in my life. That, that's not my struggle today. <laughs> But isn't there maybe something else that we have been called to? And, and if we come back to this tower for just a moment, if we come back to the, the body of God, the body of Christ, the church, if we have been forgiven by God, then shouldn't we be eager to leverage our lives for his purposes? And Guys, this isn't like, I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody to like sign it up for children's church, okay? This is, <laughs> this, that's not what this is about. But we need to be asking the question. If I have been forgiven by God, just like the, the sheet gate was prioritized by the people we have to prioritize God's mission in our lives. We have to say, recognize that, that I have received forgiveness, that I, I'm not working for salvation. I, don't, I, I can't work for salvation, but I can work from salvation. Salvation has taken place in my life. That is a, a point, a, an altar, a, a, mem, a memorial that I can look back and say, this happened at this point in this time in history. And everything going forward from that should be, let's be clear, it's not, but I want it to be me leveraging my life for God's purposes going forward. Everything from that point forward should be in response to the forgiveness and the salvation that I've received. I cannot give enough of a sacrifice in response to the sacrifice that was given for me. Just stop and, and consider that for a moment. There, there is not enough of a sacrifice that you can give in response to what you have already received. And so our, our response is that for, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me, every moment that I am alive will be in response to the calling that God has placed on my life 
until that time that I'm with him in eternity. Just, just stop for a minute and think about what, is, what does that look like for you today? What does that look like in your life? What does that sound like in the words that you speak? What, is, what does that look like in the actions that, that come out of you and the interactions that you have with your kids and the interactions you have with your family, with your friends, with your neighbors, with your coworkers? What is that? God, I want to see you in the words that I say. I want to hear you in the words that I say. I want to, I want to see you in, in the, the works of my hands. I want the actions that come forth from my life to be reflective of, of who you are. And yet it's still a choice. Every day, Every moment is a choice to say, yeah, I'm, I, I want to be part of this. I want to be a part of what it is that you're doing. I want to be a part of, of the body of Christ. I want to be a part of, of what you are doing. I want to be a part of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And if you believe yourself to be too important to undertake God's work, you will miss out on the highest honors in your life. That's not, that's not aimed at any one person. That's, that's aimed at all of us. If I choose to say that I am too important to do what God has called me to do, then that doesn't stop God's work from happening. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he's going to get what he wants done, done. I am the one who misses out. So at the end of the day, maybe we have a, a Jenga tower that, that looks something like something like this. Maybe, maybe that's the, the tower that, that we have. And maybe over here we have all of these people that have chosen not to participate, that, that are saying, you know, I'd, I don't need to be a part of, of this family. I don't need to be a part of this body. I can, just, I can just show up. That's fine. But how much more is there to be gained when every single person chooses to participate. When the, that, that tower comes in and we're, we're all functioning together as the body of Christ, when we work with those beside us for the, the purposes that, that God has called us to, we see what God can do through us. We, we see the, the wall that gets built in 52 days that, that we've been sitting there looking at for the past 20 years saying, man, something's got to be done. 
Something has to happen here. This, this is a disaster. And then when one man shows up to, to bring us together and, and to, to follow the, the plan that God has for the people, they get it done in 52 days. And they look and say, man, why didn't we do that sooner? What, what is that in our life today? What are those things that we're looking at? Saying, why, why didn't we get together and get this done sooner? I know that there are things in our lives collectively in the, the body of Wood Street Chapel that we should be looking at saying, man, if we just came together and everybody did their part, we could get this done in 52 days. And yet on the outside, it seems impossible. And again, I don't have a hidden agenda. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that thing is. But I think if we, we pause for a moment and we consider what are the, the, the calls that God has placed on, on Wood Street Chapel and on your lives individually, we're going to find stuff like this that seems just completely impossible to get done. And yet if all of the, the members of the body of Christ come together, nothing is impossible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called each and every one of us that you have given each and every one of us purpose, you have given each and every one of us gifts, and you have invited us to participate and partner with you in your plan and your mission. And God, this morning we, we recognize that, that it comes down to a choice. We can choose to, to participate or we can choose to, to sit back and not be involved. God, this morning I choose to make myself available. This morning I choose to lay down my rights, to lay down my pride, to, to give up anything that would get in the way of what it is that you have called me to do. And God, this is a, an individual decision that each and every one of us has to make as we, we sit here this morning, as we pause, as we, we quiet our hearts. Lord, we come and, and, and make this decision and, and determine it if we are going to truly be a member of the body of Christ. God, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see you move amongst your people. We want to see you move in the, this city. We want to see you move in this nation, God. Lord, as we go from this place to our families and to our, our offices and, and the workplaces and our neighborhoods, Lord, we ask that you would, would use us. Use us as we make ourselves available to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 